just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. Good to be back. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, happy Veterans Day, brother. Happy Veterans Day. So happy Marine Corps birthday. That was yesterday. I'm 247 years old. Well, belated. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Philip and I both served in the military here in our home country. Uh, Phil was Army. Well, he kind of. I was National Guard. It's, it's, it's Army National Guard. And then I served in the Marine Corps um, active duty. So we honor our brothers and sisters who are overseas. If any of you are listeners, we're here for you. Prayers and thoughts and keep kicking ass. Even the members of the Marine Corps. Even the members of Marine Colt and our friendly puddle pirates in the Coast Guard, we appreciate everything you do, too. Don't worry. <laughs> and the newly admitted Space Force. Yeah, Space Rangers. Space I'm so Marine. excited about this. You know what's really funny? They should... Uh, they don't have any battleships yet. That's what's funny. <laughs> Eventually, but I was thinking they should call the... Uh, the Space Marines, the Astartes Space Marines. <laughs> I, I, I really think that that would be colorful and wonderful. Human supremacy. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially Absolutely. in space. This is the beginning of a great era, and I'm not going to lie. I am here for it. The Internet or the Intergalactic Federation, is, this, is, this is when it's born. This Truly. Stars. Truly, this is when it's born. This may not be the, the actual declaration, the signing of the papers, but this is where it starts. Absolutely. And every good start starts with our podcast episodes. Absolutely. So today, it's our 50th episode. Mm, yeah. 50th episode, baby. <laughs> oh, wrong button. I can edit that out. 50th episode, <laughs> baby. There it is. Woo-hoo. And you know how we got here. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? Cannot know. confirm or nor deny. <laughs> Played the fifth, remaining impartial on that one. But uh, yeah. So today's episode for our 50th, we were thinking we would discuss um, some of the prominent empires in the Star Wars and other galaxies, well, science fiction. Galaxies, histories. Fantasies. Right. So where do you want to start? I know which ones I, I want to talk okay. about that are pretty right. big. I actually... Fantasy and science fiction. I want to pull this into Lord of the Rings just because I've been I've been watching a lot of Lord of the Rings it's stuff. Fantasy, let's go. I think what has to be stationed here is uh, you got to talk about Gar- Gondor and Arnor in their prime when they were one kingdom ruled by one king, which uh, happens again underneath of Aragorn. Would, but would you consider a kingdom an empire? I feel like kingdoms are different in that they have kings and queens and monarchs. I would say the king. Of Gondor, and okay. after Aragorn, I would say it's almost more of an empire. When he reestablishes uh, Arnor, mm-hmm. so he's he's Gondor and Arnor. Rohan is ruled by Faramir. Faramir, I believe so. I thought it was Faramir, Faramir, and Eowyn. Or did they go into uh, no, Ithilien? They, they left, but it was. Um Theoden, King Theoden of Rohan's, uh, in the Third Age, it was his nephew. I think it was, what was his name? Well, anyways, you have Gondor, ruled by whoever it was. Um, Eomir. Um, 
You have Ithilin, Gondor, Rohan, uh, the Shire, which actually, at the very end of the story, Aragorn gifts to the hobbits and actually declares that no man shall step foot, not even him, into into the Shire beyond that point. Mm. So it was totally gifted to the hobbits as a thanks for what they did. Well, it was also a gift to just leave them alone like they've always wanted to be. Which is exactly... I feel it was more apologetic, too, in ways. Like, sorry for dragging you into this. I mean, a lot of a lot of halflings died by ringwraiths, orcs. Well, I mean, and I don't think it was apologetic for the war itself. I think it was... Uh, I think it was apologetic because he felt bad. He knew that he took the great company of the rangers of the north away from the Shire's borders, mm. which at the time were protected solely by the rangers. It's the reason there was peace and prosperity in the Shire for a long time. So then how do you see it as empirical? I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in terms of, when I think of empire, I think of the Necron dynasties or Valkorion's eternal empire or even Palpatine's empire. So the reason I think it's imperial is basically because yeah, there's a lot of peace and prosperity, and it is a kingdom. Gondor is a kingdom, and Arnor is a kingdom. Yeah. But essentially, Gondor has the sway over all of Middle-earth. Yeah. I mean, they don't have direct control. Kind of like... Because Ro- the elves are still around. There's some, still remnants some, of elves. Some elves. Uh, South Lorien. The ones who didn't go to the Grey Havens, anyways. Right. And so you have people like like the people of South Lorien. You have the dwarf... Uh, the dwarves who retook Moria, the dwarves who took the glittering, glistening caves in Hel- or near Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. You have the elves that stayed behind in Rivendell. I believe that was a couple of uh, Elrond's sons and a few others. Didn't some of the elves return to the Lonely Mountain? No, no, no. Dwarves returned to the Lonely or Mountain. Dwarves, excuse me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, well, that would have been before the last battle. That would have been the Hobbit. That, that was the story of them returning. But I thought, right, but. Aside from the seven or nine who remained, I can't remember from the Hobbit movies, it's been a few years, but I thought that they their intention was to reunite the last five tribes of dwarves and to start rebuilding in those areas like the Lonely Mountains. Their goal was to rebuild in the Lonely Mountains. And That's, so yeah. after the Hobbit, they called dwarves forth, and so the dwarves reestablished Erebor, yeah. uh, the realm under the mountain, and... You had next to that was a, was a realm of men. It was, uh, Bur- and Thorin was their king. No, no, no. Thorin died. Thorin dies at the end of the Hobbit. Um, oh, that's yeah. See, like I said, it's been a few years. Oh I apologize. yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of the name of the Dale, mm. the kingdom of Dale. That was a, a human kingdom. Sure. Uh, and it was right next to the Lonely Mountain. So later on in the histories, after the War of the Rings, so after Gondor is established, reestablished as beginning the, of the Fourth Age, yes, after uh, Aragorn takes the throne of Gondor and er- Erebor, mm-hmm. marries Eowyn, Erebor, Erebor's north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get back on the train. Trying to get back on the train. Oh, okay. So after that all happens, the dwarves do eventually take back Moria because the Belrog is gone. Yep. Or the Balrog is gone. Gandalf killed him. Um, and so they reconquer that. But essentially the dwarves and the elves are a dying, spe- are dying species. Well, yeah, because they're a magical species. Well, and, and they're the just in, in decline. The land, yeah, the magic in the land is dying. And I would almost argue that dwarves are not an intrinsically magical species not in a sense of an actual physiology 
but in the sense of their artistic and 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 there's something definitely magical to them. Feats. I mean, the ability to blacksmith, the ability to be warmongering, th- those I see as magical feats more than I see it as the elves are, you know, they're eternal. They, they're they super affluent. Those are... I've always seen the elves as magic and the humans as non-magic. And the dwarves, because they were created by Aule, the smith god, they are non-magic with the ability to utilize it. Right. And so if it's in the world, they can use it. But as it dies out of the world, they just lose that ability. The reason they're in decline is because, quite frankly, they had a lot of things against them. Well, yeah. Now, there are a bunch of dwarven colonies founded after the War of the Ring. But essentially what I'm saying is I view Gondor as kind of an empire because they really have just kept usurping the power of different places. Now, in some ways, this is a good thing because, like... Usurping or absorbing? I feel like they absorbed a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, absorbed a good word for it. But, like... This is after Aragorn. Because Aragorn pledged to to rule appropriately. And he did. And he did. Um, But, like, Aragorn gave the slaves of Moria, or Mordor, the land in the south of Mordor that was quite fertile. Mm. The land where Sauron's troops got all their food. Yeah. He gave that to the slaves and just said, rule it, rule it as you see fit. But you know that they are at least in line with Gondor. Right. Would at least follow some of Gondor's plights. Um, the Dunharo men, they, they're smashed. The, the men of the South, the black Numenorians of the South, they are absolutely smashed after the War of the Rings. And Gondor just kind of indirectly takes up command. Well, I mean... And they do that with all of Middle-earth. Aragorn had... by the time I think by the time he took the throne... Because in, in the Two Towers, he was 83 years old. Is what he tells Aeol. Uh, 84, 85, somewhere in there. Well, no, he says <laughs> 83 or something. I can't it's something remember. like that. And so that means he has, as a Numenorean, he has... Let's uh, say he's 83. He has 167 more years... Of rulership as Gondor's king, minus a couple of years during the war. I want to say he ruled for a hundred and twenty years. He lived to be two hundred and fifty. Did he? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, he was a Numenorean. No, I think he lived to two hundred. Two hundred? No way. I think so. We can look it up. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Well, I don't have my phone on me. Well, I'll 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 check it up real quick. But but basically, what I'm saying is at the end of Aragorn's rulership of Gondor, it was an empire in all but name. I I really believe that. I think he basically built what essentially would compete with the Roman Empire at the height of its power in Middle-earth. It really is an outstanding feat. 210. So we were both wrong. You were more wrong. There's no such thing as more wrong. No, no, no. If you go over. I said 250. I said, you uh, about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. But I really think he, he ruled for about, I want to say, 120 some years. Well, right. if it was 210, it would have been 100. And he, he ruled for 117 years. Uh, but you have to remember that the books, the timeline takes a lot longer. No, and no. So I, I, I'm if saying he figuratively was, it would have been 117 years of rulership after the ring was destroyed. <coughs> effectively. Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe not the last couple years of his life as he was... But the book takes, end. like, two decades. Well, right. But I'm just saying like, as a whole. 
but like the, the think about this: the story told in the Red Book, the, the the Hobbit story, the Lord of the Rings, takes like two decades. No, my my point is that even if it is 117 years of rulership, that's a long time to start establishing, you know, governancing. A long time to establish, you know, areas on the map that 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 he basically divides power or absorbs power in certain areas. Well, and he doesn't have to have direct control. He can just be like, exactly. "Hey, we're Gondor." Like, I'm not saying you have to do this, but it's probably in your best interest. Well, because the king of the king of Gondor quote was always seen as the king of Middle Earth because of the reaches of Gondor. You have Osgiliath, you have uh. Pelennor, you have Minas Tirith, you have basically... That's a bold claim. Think about it. Because for a long time, the king of Arnor was seen as the king. Was. That's the key word. Well, you said always. I did not say always. I said was that the king of Gondor is seen as the king of all Middle-earth. Uh, all right, all right. I'll take that. Because think about it. Theoden's dead. There's no king of Rohan. Well, and the king of Rohan really didn't have much bounding power. And the king of the Easterlings died in the last war on Pelennor Fields. Well, a lot of kings did. Well, there's no more <laughs> king of Rune. So um, if there's only one king I believe king there left. was. So the problem that Sau- Sauron had is a lot of his rulership, a lot of his leadership were higher beings. And yeah. they kind of smot, smelt those, smited those, smit those, smitten. Early on in the story, for the most part, like Smog. Yeah, he couldn't have. The last of the Drakes, the last of the great Drakes. Um, that was, he was killed well before because Gandalf put that whole thing into action to kill Smog so that Sauron, or Sauron couldn't use him as a bulwark in the north. I don't think Smog would have joined Mordor. Oh, absolutely. No. Dragons oh, absolutely. Are very independent. No, 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 no. We had it, remember our whole episode on dragons a couple weeks ago. Uh yes, but dragons, the dragons of Middle-earth were extremely independent. No, they weren't. The dragons of Middle-earth were created by Morgoth. And look at how autonomous they are. Just because he created them doesn't mean they're subservient to him. Just like the Balrogs. oh, they absolutely were. Just like the Balrogs. The Balrogs absolutely were. No, Morgoth's will. The Balrogs sided of independent will. No, no, no. Morgoth. Morgoth controlled them one hundred percent. Because in our other episode, you told me that the Balrogs were independent from Mordor. They are independent from Mordor. That's Morgoth is. I'm not is a person. About, I'm not. I'm not talking about Morgoth. I'm talking about Mordor as a whole. The Balrogs chose not to get involved because of the autonomy and because their numbers were already dying. Well, there was only ever seven Balrogs. That's my point. And How many are left? I believe only one. Yeah. Well, we don't know exactly, but I believe only one. On screen and from the books, the last one was killed by Gandalf. Right. To my knowledge. If there's somebody out there who knows better, please. Well, and I believe the wording me. is the last of the great drakes of the north. So it's possible there's still more dragons, but they'd be much diminished compared to Smog. But essentially, I think what smog was for Sauron was keep smog in the Lonely Mountain, keep the dwarves out, keep the men of Dale away. Make him happy. Keep the north weak. And then you have this threat in the north that has to be handled at the same time you have to handle Sauron. Yeah, because you have the Fisherman Island. 
Right. They were busy doing what? When they could have mustered how many thousands of troops to side with the... Well, maybe like 3,000, 4,000. Oh, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Especially when you're fishermen. I mean, that's a... Peasants. That's a Navy. That could have taken on the pirates from the you're South. You're a Navy in a lake. But they still... They, they, they're you still merchants. Have they understand the waters. My point is that they could Mariners, have, not merchants. Well, they are merchants by, but by the, trade. But mariners. They would have been mariners for warfare, merchants by trade. But mariners in a lake is very different. They're called reavers, by the way. The, the, the ships Reaver, reavers the are Reavers are lake pirates. But they weren't pirates. No, but what I'm saying is they could have combated the people from the south who came up to fight. Not nearly as effectively. It was True, much, but anything else. It was way more effective to have Dale reestablished, have the armies of the north be off defending from uh, a necromancer? Nope, necromancer was Sauron. Uh, Sauron, he was driven out before that. Um, no, I'm trying to think of the, the name of the period. north of the north country. Rune. Yes, thank you. Um, so it was way better to have them dealing with the soldiers of Rune who could have come to Sauron's aid otherwise. They'd have had to cross through Elvish land and territory, though. Oh, absolutely, and they could have. Oh, they wouldn't have? Oh, they'd have been much diminished. The elves of Mirkwood would have stopped them. They would have been much diminished. I'm but, thinking, I guess I'm thinking numbers-wise. Oh, absolutely. Um, so if the Lonely Mountain wasn't reestablished, if Erebor and da- uh, Dale had not been reestablished, the, the men of, of Rune could have come down south even if all they did was distract the Wood Elves. Well, the Wood Elves didn't even get involved in the war to begin with. So oh, but they did. It wouldn't have done them any good. The Wood Elves were on the side of the Lonely Mountain and Erebor, like Erebor and Dale. Mirkwood? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about Galadriel's Elves. They didn't Florian, get involved. Lothlorien. Lothlorien, yeah. They, they didn't get involved. No. But I'm saying even if they made it past the Mirkwood Elves and Legolas is home. But you can avoid both of them. You can go south without hitting Mirkwood or Lothlorien. Then you have the Great Plains of Rohan. No, you would have the Great Plains north of Mordor, which the only bulwark there is the Lonely Mountain. They would have had a straight shot south from Rune into Mordor, I'm the Black sure Gates. Rohan's field runs all the way north of Moria. Mordor. Mm, no. No, 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 no. Rohan is north and west. So it's like directly north of Gondor, up in the Gap of Rohan. Hold on. Uh, Anyways, um, I I think... Dude, there's so much lore in Lord of the Rings. Like, it is crazy. Now, they may have had to cross the... around the Dead Martians. They would have had to go over Rovanian, but Rohan runs all the way up to the northeast. Rohan runs into right here, and then you get into right. Dead Marshes, and that's all non-Rohan. And then we're talking, they could have come straight down this. Totally right. free and clear. They didn't have to go near a mountain. They didn't have to go near uh, uh, trees. They didn't have to go near Lorien, Mirkwood, none of that. They could have just walked through. The only reason they didn't is because the Lonely Mountain's up there, and they wanted to conquer that so they didn't have an enemy at their rear. Which was a smart move on their point. Which would have been a smart move if they could have. Well, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you can go around. <laughs> they could have gone around Mirkwood. But the problem with that is that the Mirkwood elves actually, they don't just stay in the forest. They stretch out beyond. A little they, bit. They left the forest to actually stop the orcs. 
yeah. But these were men. Yeah. Now. So back to seeing Gondor as one of the empires, though. I think it was an empire in all but name. But you said you you mentioned post Aragorn, it would have been imperial. Even in or Aragorn's Arag- time, Aragorn vowed to rule justly. He didn't. You can be an emperor and rule justly. Uh, tell that to Palpatine. Tell that to. <laughs> tell that to King Caesar of our time. All of them. Caesar, not King Caesar. Caesar. He announced himself as king, and then he announced Caesar as was the title after that. That's my point. He was seen as a king before there were, that. There were quite a few great emperors of Rome. Now, I'm not really great with Roman history I'm names. I'm just saying. But there were, a few, there were quite a few benevolent Roman emperors. There were also a, quite a few crazy ones, but you get that with kings, too. You had, uh, you know, King Louis. He was oh, crazy. Well, he was a whole different breed. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you've got plenty of kings that, that are evil, and you have plenty of emperors who are good. So then what do you think the downfall of Gondor's imperial would have been? Imperium, I should say. As soon as the blood of, of Numenor failed. So it was rejuvenated by Aragorn's relationship Offspring. with an elf mm-hmm. who chose uh, mortality. Mm-hmm. It would have been rejuvenated. His sons would have had long life and been very Numenorian. However, would, yeah. eventually that bloodline will be thinned again. And with the elves leaving the world, you're not going to have that revitalization. Mm. So unless they were incredibly careful... Aragorn had 117 years to make a lot of kids. It's true. <laughs> that's uh, a lot of Numenorians. Th- that's a lot of Numenorians. <laughs> you're right. But even if he only had... Or even if he had something crazy like 80 kids. Sure. Not all of them are going to be male, though, either. You right, right. That. But you're going to have to... The Numenorian blood is going to be separated over time. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to intermarry. You, you can't look at the, the, the European crown. You can't inbreed forever. <laughs> well, look at the Lannisters, too, and the Targaryens. Uh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But at the end of the day, I think that's the downfall. The Numenorians, uh, there is a chance that one of them goes astray. I mean, we had black Numenorians. We had Numenorians who attempted to conquer the, the realm of the gods. Black elves and dwarves, too. (laughs) 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 Oh, classic. Okay. But you had the black Numenorians. Obviously, they're not black. I know. But they're Numenorians who fell. And so that's possible. You can have... Fallen angels, in a sense. To a degree. To a degree. You can have fallen, fallen Numenorians. So it's possible some of his lineage falls. And that's fine. And maybe the blood is very thick at this point with his children because they are half-elven. Well, technically half-elven. She did choose a mortal life, but she also had an extended lifespan. And with the blood of the elves and of Numenor, you could argue that maybe it doesn't falter. Maybe, maybe it is the revitalization of the Numenorian blood in Gondor and Arnor. But I, I feel like but I think that's the fall. That. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we have is a very strange happenstance. The times when the Numenorians and the elves and the dwarves are the most prosperous is when they have an enemy. And the enemy is someone supernatural. Supernatural. The first age, the second age, the third age. All of these times, at least for intensive purposes, they have enemies. Morgoth. Sauron. Sauron. The Witch King. 
the raid, the ring raids, a dragon. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I would. The add. dragons. Dragon. That's what I said. Dragons. But I don't know. I wouldn't consider them supernatural. I would consider them. All of those are supernatural. Mythical. There's a difference from mythical and supernatural. No, no, no. All of those are quite literally supernatural. I'm thinking supernatural in the sense of like mystical. I wouldn't see dragons because they're living flesh and bone versus Sauron and the Witch King weren't living flesh and bone. Sauron, right, I'll okay. give you the dragons. I'll give Sauron you the dragons. Sauron was at a time, yes. But I'll give you the dragons, but aside from that, all of those are m- mystical and mythical. Yes. To the point that Morgoth is literally the thing that brought evil into the world. Yep. And Sauron is his first lieutenant. Commander, I'd say. He, he's also a god. So is Morgoth. Yeah. So are all of the Balrogs. The only one that's not a god is are the Ringwraiths. The Ringwraiths are humans that were corrupted by godly power in the form of the rings. Oh, yeah. The, the Barrowites. The Barrowites. I, I, they're mythical. And with the defeat of Sauron, you no longer have that. And who... who do you do through Sauron, though. Sauron's dead, too. Oh, you're still talking about after. After, in, okay. the, in the reign of... of because Sauron, uh, Sauruman dies in the scouring of the Shire. No, he I believe dies that's what it's called. Top his no. tower. Sauruman? Okay, in the movie or the book? In the movie, he falls from the tower and I'm, gets hit and impaled. I'm in I'm assuming that our listeners haven't all read the book, so I'm speaking for them. I'm insu- I'm assuming they're intelligent. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> in that case, yes, he did not die at the tower. At the latest, whether you go by the movies or the book, he died in the Shire in the scouring of the Shire. After the end of the war. Yeah. That's the last enemy. The Balrog is gone. The Ringwraiths are gone. Sauron, Sauron, Morgoth. Morgoth's in in the abyss. The Witch King of Angmar's gone. The Witch King of Angmar's gone. Um, For the most part, the orcs are dead. I mean, you have some bands that are up in the mountains... Yeah, but they're they're less orc. They're not orukai. They're they're like goblins. Well, orukai were created from elves. Orcs were actual orc species. There's a huge. We difference. don't know what created the orcs. The orcs are like orismer. They're they're an actual separate breed of orc. We don't know what created the orcs. They're they're elf counterparts. We don't know. It's not confirmed in the lore. Nowhere does it say where they came from. No. I'm not saying verbatim, but I'm just I'm deducing this from the fact of what I've read and seen on screen. No, the orcs and goblins are interchangeable. Ba- basically, the difference is uh, the situation they're in. If they're in a cave and they're ruling themselves, they're goblins. If they're underneath of the Dark Lord, they're orcs. Yeah. Um. Now, what gets interesting is the Urukai, the fighting Urukai. They were created, created from dead elves. Again, we don't know. That it's sh- yes, we do. No, we don't. Pretty because sure it's on screen, which makes it canon. And the reason we don't know is because the direct quote from the book essentially says they're a mashup between orcs and humans. But they're not. They were taken. They were dead. They were dead elves taken from the land. And from then what land? From Isengard. Where Where were the elves in Isengard? I'm just telling you what's canonized on screen. Again, for the listeners. I don't think so. 
So they're just pulling these dead bodies out of the ground. No, no, no. We don't know. Someone has to know. And he's dead. And he's dead. A long <laughs> time. If he ever made up his mind. Right. Now, the Urukai were not just in Isengard. There were also Urukai in Mordor. Yeah, because Sauron had to make his army bigger. He couldn't rely on just goblins and orcs. Well, you don't get that in the movie. Saruman was the one with the Urukai, the fighting Urukai. I'm not talking about the movie. But in the books, Sauron. Sauron also has the Urukai. Yes, because he's, like I said, he's growing his army. Yeah, he is, absolutely. But he's also growing his army in a whole lot of other ways. But the thing is, the Urukai are gone. Yeah, Sauron the orcs uses... are gone because there's no Dark Lord to put them in prox- Sauron proximity. Sauron uses orcs to take over Osgiliath. Orcs. Yes. You said there's no more orcs. No, no, no. There's no more Urukai. They're different. Orcs, Urukai. You did say no more orcs, but that's fine. Eh, misspeak. Whatever. <laughs> um, so at this point, you have like bands of, of goblins. But where are the goblins the strongest? Underground. Specifically in fallen dwarven spaces. Yeah. Like mines. The Mines of Moria. The the goblins number in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands. Yep. Now, during The Hobbit, you see... Uh, I don't remember what it's called. The Goblin Caves. And there's a couple thousand. With the goblin Maybe King. as many as 10,000 with the Goblin King. Mm-hmm. But in the Mines of Moria, there's hundreds of thousands because they don't have to fit their space. So where the dwarves made this huge space that they could fill, the goblins go crazy. However... I think stirring up the Balrog made them go crazy, too. Well, no, no, no. I mean go crazy like reproduce. Oh, gotcha. Um, And so you have so many of them in Moria because there's nothing there to stop them from reproducing. Whereas in any of the other situations... They're controlled by the sun. They're controlled by the space available. They're controlled by what resources they have. They're controlled by King. a lot. Like just, just the great company coming around and killing them off or the, the Rohirrim coming around and killing them off or sure. the, the elves, the dwarves, whatever. After the War of the Rings, Mordor's uh, basically purged. Moria's retaken. The Glittering Caves, uh, that's not an option because there's a Dwarven colony there. The Iron Hills, the the Gray Mountains, the the Blue Mountain, or the Gray Hills, Blue Mountains, Iron Mountains, uh, the Dwarven colonies, mm-hmm. they're all reestablished. Misty Mountains, by the way. Well, those, those two. But that would be like Moria. So there's the Iron Hills, the Blue Mountains, and the Gray Mountains? Gray Hills. One of those two. Right. So there's a lot of different... Tolkien wasn't exactly uh, original in all of his mountain ranges. You know, the, the <laughs> misty mountains. The I'm surprised there wasn't a snowy mountains. Like, And there probably is in the far north. There is. Carhadris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we've established... Gondor as an empire, but there's so many other ones. And the one I've been thinking about a lot recently is Valkorion's Eternal Empire in Star Wars. Of course. Darth Vitiate. A true empire. Sith 
blood half breed. Ends up getting killed by a Jedi kind of a whiner in a purge. He's the one who. Cor- oh no, no no no. Kinda. No, he corrupted Darth Revan. Oh, don't get Darth me wrong. Malik. He's awesome and all. But like, if you were that powerful, wouldn't you have taken over the galaxy like three or four times over? He actually took over the galaxy and held it for about oh two thousand half the galaxy. Years. I mean, he had like a ten thousand year span of it. Half the galaxy. Longer than the Rakatans. Half the galaxy. Doesn't matter. If I was that powerful, dude, he I would have taken over like... from a different dimension. I would have taken over like eight galaxies. Oh, well, of course, but... Yeah. Like, like you could literally <laughs> just go think things and, and, and it is so. Like, all he would have had to do was be like, oh, oh, the war's over. I just thought about the Republic exploding. So, for those of you who don't know, um, Valkorian or Darth Vitiate was the emperor of the Sith Empire. He destroyed his home planet. He was one of the strongest Sith in existence, force user in existence for oh, no, thousands no, no, of no, no, years. No, 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 he didn't just destroy his home planet. So he also corrupted Darth Revan, Revan and Alec to become Darth Malak to do his bidding to collect the Star Forge, which we've talked about in our Rakatan episode and our uh, Super Weapons episode. Which he only knew about because... He's Darth Vitiate. Right. I mean, he knows Just everything. Because. He Again, why did he not rule an empire spanning dozens of galaxies? Because the Republic. Because plot points. No, it's not plot points. The Republic was growing so have to massive. Have video game. Well, Must have conflict. Uh, that, I mean, aside from that, but... Vitiate's rule was so expansive that after he was killed by the Jedi Knights he was and Darth Revan, he basically, he didn't really die. So his persona, his visage died. He was projecting his himself halfway across form. the galaxy. Little do we know, the Eternal Throne is actually in a way other galaxy way far away. Right. And it's called the Eternal Throne... Um, on a planet of Zakul. And he basically has this vast... Eternal Empire, Eternal, eternal Empire. Throne, eternal, Millions. eternal Navy. Like it, He's really infatuated with the Eternal thing. It's because he is Eternal. <laughs> Turns out not so much. Well, even after he dies, even after the heroes kill him, he's still Eternal. He lives on in every Sith after him. Because he had the Force Essence transfer. Right. And he actually did it the right way, unlike Palpatine. Oh, which... Means he did he's it not like eternal because uh, Palpatine no. was his end. He succeeded. Palpatine was his end. Valkorian succeeded. Okay, he's... We're Those of you who need to know... Not eternal. This is not canon. This is legend. Not eternal. In Legends, he is eternal. I'll give you that, but it's Legends, not canon. Uh, okay, well, I'm just talking in the terms of Empires of Star Wars. All right, all right. Anyways, We are talking millions, about Legends right now. <laughs> mi- well, li- literally, but millions of Force users at his side. Millions of ships. Millions of galaxies under his control. I mean, this guy was immensely powerful. And uh, in the, in his upbringing... Quick question. How did he get that many Force users out of his, out of his uh, empire? Like, legitimately, how did he get such a high percentage? He created them. That's how massively powerful this guy is. Yeah, yeah. Um... I have to believe that at some point you would come across a few that are non-force wielding. And I, I kind of want to say eugenics. 
Okay, but I mean, the, the clones had the same issue on Kamino. Not every clone that came in was, you know, a perfect match. Dude, and Kamino was eugenics capital of the galaxy. Right, but, well... Literally, they created... I know, but he created them through the Force. The Kaminoans created them through science. There's a difference. Theoretically. So... Theoretically, there's a difference. Uh, Metachlorians can be counted by a simple blood test. <laughs> Valkorian had um, a wife, Senya Tural. The Empress. Thank you, I couldn't remember that name. And they had two kids, Arkan and Thexan. And he raised them both together, and they ended up going out and conquering. They defeated the Sith, and they defeated the Jedi, the Republic. Very different personalities. But that's what's cool. So One um, of them had the typical light side personality, and one of them had the typical dark side personality. He developed the dark side personality. He didn't start with Well, that. that's true. But it kind of goes to show the duality of the Force in the sense that no matter what Vitiate did to create a neutral Arbiter system, to create a neutral empire that wasn't light nor dark, even his sons faced the duality of light and dark. But that's why he made them, he set them out to conquer. They defeated the Sith Empire and they defeated the Republic, rightfully so. Yeah. But when they returned to the ship to bring their father the spoils of war... Um, Archon in the process and one of the planets was cut down like his face was cut and his arm was cut off he was mutilated so he was basically put through a process to, of prosthetics which made him angry oh yeah and when he returned well I think it first made him bitter no he was rightfully angry because his father when he brought back the spoils of war from the slaughter of the Republic of the Empire his father Vitiate turned away with no thanks no absolutely and Arkin was upset. Not just no thanks, no acknowledgement. Yeah, he they it was laid the prize of the the surrender of both empires at his feet, and didn't even acknowledge it. He, he came over, looked at the lightsabers. I and think that's around. why I said resentment, because that's where it started. Like I think if if Vitiate had just been like, good job, but he was already angry because his father was sent them out on these missions. He was, but I think if if Vitiate had just been like, good job. That's it. That's what we set out to do. And you did it. It would have just fizzled. He'd have just been like, all right. See, I still don't think it would have. I did it for, well, he did it for his father. Because growing up, Arkin and Thexan were always together, and his father still showed them no gratitude. And when Arkin always failed in whatever exercises or training, his father would always just turn away, call him a failure, just not give him any reference. Right, and I think just one time, if Vishit had just one time said, good job, but Vishit I'm was proud of him. you. That, that's what I'm getting to. Vishit was, was counting on this happening. Oh, absolutely. He wanted to see which of his sons would succeed him on the throne. Which one was have more both. powerful. And since they're twins, you can't have them both rule. So Archon, after this whole... Well, of course you can. It's just not a good long-term strategy. After this happened... Valkorion turns away from both of his sons, and Archon gets really upset, and he lunges at his father and jumps, pulls out his lightsaber. Oh, what's really cool is they all wield yellow lightsabers. Yeah. Because the Eternal Empire, there's no light or dark. It's Well, theoretically, there's no light or dark. There always is. But then they explain how there's no such thing as light and dark side. There's just the Force. Right. Vishit was trying to create a true rule of Grey Jedi. Right. On a mass scale. Well, not even Je Grey Jedi, just, just neutral beings. Well, here, let me finish, and then we can elaborate. So, Thexan, his older, or one of his, not older brother, but his brother, Force pulls him away from his father before he strikes him down with his lightsaber. 
and Archon and Thexon then ensue in a duel. Archon kills his brother Thexan, and immediately the regret sets in. Like, what What am I doing? I should not have been doing this. I should listen to my brother. Well, you can see the remorse in his face when he does yeah. it. Yeah, and Vitiate's standing over him and says, congratulations, my son. Come with me. And that's what I mean. That one thing, even though it's a terrible situation and it's awful and he's filled with emotion, he's filled with regret, he's filled with remorse, he's filled with... It's all washed away by one kind word by Vitiate. Yeah. Come with me. Congratulations. Well, I I think what's really crazy, though, is that... And I think it was less congratulations and more of my son. But even from then on, Arkin, his son, was still trying to kill his father. And eventually he did. Well, he killed his father. Valkorian still lived in spirit. Right. But my son, I think that right there was what was like... I think that's what gave him hope. Valkorian was one of the only Sith Lords who could actually, as a dark side user, not be subject to um, the tragedies of all Sith before him, who would become ghosts. He actually could walk the earth like Yoda and Obi-Wan and Luke and Anakin. Well, and I think the only reason for that was because of the Eternal Empire, because he truly tried to be neutral. But that's what I'm saying. He was not not just that. He was so strong in the Force. The Force could not bound him or bind him to a planet. The Force could not stop him. I find that as kind of a cop out. I always had a cop out. He can devour an entire planet, but by snapping his fingers, the Force is literally infinite. The Force might be infinite, but there are still users who can bend the Force to their will. Well, you can bend the Force to its to your will, but eventually the momentum will come back at you. I mean, well, think of it more like I have a giant pump. I can move a lot of water. You know, it's 70 feet wide. It can move so much water, it's unfathomable. And if I stick to the hose in the bottom of the ocean and I put it on top of the mountain, no matter how much I pump, and I can move a lot of water, and I can bend the water to my will. I can put it where I want. Eventually, it will run back into the ocean. Well, yeah, because it has to leave the mountain at some point. Vitiate had a certain amount of pull over the force. But you can't be more powerful than the thing that gives you power. The dude lived for thousands of years. You cannot be more powerful than the thing that gives you power. I'm not saying he's more powerful. What I'm saying is he was powerful enough... To, to supersede the ideologies of classic Sith and Jedi. Cop out. It's legends, man. I know. Look at Starkiller. Starkiller has always been a cop out. Look at Darth Revan. No. Darth Revan's Crate? amazing. Revan's amazing. Oh, no, yeah. Here we are, <laughs> of course. All of Legends is a cop out. It, uh, ha- it has to be, or it can't be called Legends. It dis- can't be extended. Disagree. Universe. No. I, I think, honestly, there's... There's a th- reason they made the distinguish idea behind... Um, that was ideology, and it wasn't ideology in Star Wars that made that decision? No, it wasn't, but what <laughs> I'm saying is they made it that way because they were seen as too powerful. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you, you also have to look at... There is some legend stuff that is less powerful. Well, so that's not a good reason. Because you have to have a balance somewhere. You can't just make everyone in Legends this super massive... Terminator, right. Superman. Right. It, it just doesn't work like that. 
You but, can't have every character supersede the ideologies of the story. Right. That doesn't make sense. But there are a select few who do. Darth Nihilus, for instance, he can drain a planet and sustain himself for a thousand years through eating the Force. Well, he's he's immortal just so long as he keeps moving. He eats midi-chlorians. Well, kind <laughs> of. Think about it. Kind of. He absorbs them. Well, okay. It's a, he doesn't eat them. Nom, nom, nom. Not, yeah, not a bowl, like, walking around like not plucking like midi-chlorians out of minions. the air. Yeah, no. But what I'm saying is he... he the idea behind the Eternal Empire was to have an empire that was eternal. And it was. Because even after Valkorion died, and the hero that you play as in the game takes over, it's still the Eternal Empire. And the Empire lasts for even a more thousands of years after that. Do we have confirmation of the end of the Empire? To my knowledge, no, because the story is still being written by Bioware and EA. So, I know the Eternal Empire... I'm so glad Bioware's doing it, too. Yeah. Because EA would just butcher the shit out of it. As they do. Right. Um, so... Right now, there is no end to it. It still exists as far as as far as well, pre-BBY. But concerned. as far as we know, it could still potentially exist even ABY. I'm not talking about Palpatine's Eternal Empire. No, 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 no. No, I mean... We know for a fact that the Eternal Empire stretched multiple galaxies. Yeah. Now, we also know that in Star Wars Legends, there is some sort of border, and it may even be canon. I don't know what else canon. Um, That's why I quit making the distinguishment. There is some sort of border that is very difficult to travel across around the Star Wars galaxy. Mm. Um, I believe it's Outbound Mission something like that, a book uh, an in Legends that expresses that if, if you go through this barrier, you'll go insane. But there is paths through it. Are you talking about like the Yuzang Vong path? The path that they conquered or a different one? Well, there's there's a path that the Yuzang Vong came through. There's a path that the outbound the mission Yuzang was Vong looking for. The ripped a hole in space and showed up accidentally. Kind of, yeah. Um, but essentially you have... A sort of semi-irregular dome around the galaxy that if you cross this threshold, you lose your mind. I guess I'm trying to correlate that. So I would think of that more as like the Kuiper Belt in our galaxy. Okay. Beyond Pluto. How can you know what goes on past there? We haven't been out there. Apparently we have. Well, I wouldn't doubt NASA, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> the U.S. government has lots of things that don't show us. <laughs> but in Legends, there's a barrier. There is something there, a force field, whether it's the lack of metachlorians or it's whatever. Right. We don't know. But there are paths through it. And the outbound mission was going in search of one of those paths. Okay. Now, there are many paths, or at least irregularities in the shape of it so that like the extra galactic star clusters can be reached. Well, yeah, they have to make contact with those galaxies because you're telling me all the planets that live on the outer rim. But what if the eternal empire is still out there and they just leave the star Wars galaxy alone because it's too much trouble. Well, what's amazing about the story is in the way Bioware did it was you have the choice to dismantle it or to keep it rule it right 
And me being a natural fanatic and an emperor inside of myself, I chose to go dark side and rule it. How's that dark side? Uh, just the quest and storyline leaning dark side. You have to make dark side decisions. Right, right. But I guess what I'm asking is what makes an empire in inherently bad? That's a really good question. I guess that's more the focus of our episode tonight. But inherently bad, it can't necessarily be inherently bad because the Romans didn't think that their empire was inherently bad. They thought they were doing it for the greater good. Well, but by today's standards, you could absolutely say that the Roman Empire was inherently bad. Now you can, but I'm talking about the people living in the moment. Look at all the people in Palpatine's empire. Yeah, look at the leftists. They don't think they're bad. Well, right, but that's my point exactly. So Living in the moment, living in the utopia, people typically don't have those sorts of ideologies of bad. Because empires have ways of making their people happy and making them forget about all the bad things they're doing. <coughs> Like well, whether it's good or bad. Free health care and food stamps and, you know, all that stuff. The stuff people don't want to ask questions well, about. Well, whether it's good or bad, I would say it really depends on uh, the moral ethic of the time and whether it is generally a positive or a negative that it exists in the average person's life. Is it just? So Valkorion's empire and the Eternal Empire, I would say, was inherently good. The people were happy. The people weren't rebelling. And it Versus was, you look at every other empire, people began to rebel. But it was expansionist, and it was unjust to the people it crossed. But it was seen as a way of increasing the numbers and the livelihood of the eternal throne. So was it good or bad? Because they did so have either. to... They did have to... All right, that's actually what I was trying to get to. Um, it's neither good nor bad. The ideals of the people were a mixture of good and evil. It's and their neutral. Point, their point of view was a true neutral, which is why Valkorion was who he was. And even under Valkorion, it was truly neutral. There was good and there was bad. And that's why he chose the successor to be the hero you play as in so the game. So why do they always portray the Empire as bad? Because when you think of the word empire, it typically comes with an imperialistic mindset, like Japan or Russia or ancient Rome or the ancient Egyptians and their empires. I mean, the stigma that comes with the word empire typically is people who usurp and who grab power without asking. People who follow blindly without asking questions. Fair enough. That's how, that's, so the inherent evil behind an empire I see comes with those types of stigmas. However, there's a, I feel like there's a lot more that goes into it because the Eternal Empire was seen as true neutral. And the only reason that they wanted to stop it was because Archon took over. Vitiate's son after Vitiate died. Archon took over as the emperor. He was turning it bad. He was murdering planets. He was murdering people. He was pillaging planets. Like, Well, that's because he leaned dark side. Right, but that's my point. So that's when they're like, oh, the Eternal Empire is bad, even though for tens of thousands of years it was inherently neutral. Neutral. People were happy. Well, People and, were content. Well, and quite... In its own sort of way, if you're neutral, aren't you good as a governing force? Uh, as Obi-Wan said, good as a point of view. But if you're neutral, you are inherently good as a governing force. That is not true for a lot of things. But look at, well, okay, if, if Obi-Wan's statement was enough, look at Daenerys Targaryen. She thought burning the city was going to be good. Which city? She did it to a bunch of them. Um, Westeros. Westeros King's is Landing. a continent. King's, La oh, King's Landing in Westeros is what I meant to say. Okay. She burnt it because she's like, this is what the people wanted, right? They wanted freedom. 
They made me do this. I had to do it. Right, and she's a governing force. But she still thought she was being good. But a governing force. Besides that, she thought it was the right thing to do. Listen. That's the problem. A governing force is only good when it's neutral. But who determines what's good and bad? The people are the governing force. No, 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 no. The, the, the people are where the governing force gets its power. So the people who elect them decide who's good and bad. Kind of. Or does the governing power, through their actions, decide what's good and bad? No. Absolutely not. Government, government can never decide what is good or evil. So then Daenerys made the right choice. No. I feel like you're contradicting your own message here. Daenerys did not make the right choice because what I'm saying is a government can only be good if it is truly neutral. A government can only be good if it's truly neutral because it's not the government's place. Or empire rather than just government. Morality is an individual thing. And if a government deems... But those ideals can be pushed on people. So morality isn't necessarily individual. It can be individualized in the sense of how you carry yourself on a daily basis. But in terms of an empire, morality isn't necessarily individual. Morality is what people would deem. We have a collective morality. That's what I'm saying. That comes from the individuals. A government is an entity all of its own. And if a government deems something moral or immoral, it is inherently bad. Picked by who, though? It depends. All governments. Exactly. Whether it's picked by God or picked by the people or direct democracy. We're talking, we're referencing empires in terms of government, by the way. Governments that exist in empires. So if the Republic chooses to aid Naboo, because it's the right thing to do, right? According to the Nabooans, yes. Well, according to a bunch of people. Not to the separatists. Well, uh, let's say 80%. That's a pretty good majority. Okay. That's the right thing to do, right? Again, for the Naboos, yes. For the Gungans, yes. And the government is going to then take the funds from the separatists to fuel the war against the separatists. Okay, but I'm talking about I'm talking about empires as a whole aren't necessarily good or bad. It's the decisions that are made by the leaders. That can be deemed good or bad. The reason Vitiate's empire wasn't was a true neutral was because the people were happy. They are bad or they are neutral. That is it. You can't just uh, because how do you judge what is good? That's been my point the whole time. Exactly. So if you're doing something good, you're bad. According to some people, which is why we have separatists. Inherently. That's why I said it's not up to the So the government must be neutral to be good not do anything you mean yes or at least do as little as possible oh that's what most governments should do but and uh, ideally their role should be in maintaining neutrality that's why people loved vitiate that's why his empire exactly so why is it that every time they portray vitiate's empire it's dark side because they like i said i i think i said this earlier they see the expansionism and the imperialistic mindset of Adding to his empire as pansies. Yeah, they are. We are not all human supremacists, Phil. Gosh. I'm not a human supremacist in this case either. Uh, of all the planets, I would have loved to have lived on Zakul. Peaceful planet. Everyone got what they needed. No one was in fear of Vitiate and his empire. I mean, he destroyed the Republic and the Sith to send a message and say, hey, 
I don't like either of your ideals. You're too evil and you're not good. I don't know that I have an ideal planet to live on in Star Wars. But I would have to say probably... If I could find a planet with the uh, with the landscape of Naboo, without people on it, okay, that would be it. But wh- okay, so then I guess moving away from Valkorian's empire, we'll have to do a whole episode on the Eternal Throne by itself. There's just so much. Um, what about Sidious's empire? Good or bad? Look at the failings of the Republic. Look at the failings of the Empire. They did not fail near as much as the Republic. Oh, absolutely did. they did. <laughs> You're not answering my question. Evil. Evil. As evil. In, as in bad. Yes, evil. Not not just bad. I'm sticking Inherently to... Inherently evil. Uh, because of Palpatine's nature, but I'm talking about as the Empire as a whole. Look at all the people who were... No, because of the nature of the Empire as a whole. Look intrinsically to the people of the Empire. Evil. The ISB agents... Evil. They didn't think they were being evil. They were serving the Empire. Neither did the Nazis. Evil. Exactly. Good and bad. I'm not talking about evil and archangel. I'm talking about good and bad. Willfully bad. (laughs) Okay, willfully bad. And I believe that's your definition of evil. So, let's go with that. (laughs) His His empire was evil for one reason. Above everything else, one reason. The Tarkin Doctrine. Okay, but that wasn't Palpatine's missive. Exactly. It was the Empire's. Palpatine didn't care. It was the Empire that was evil. But not, not, ev- not everyone in the Empire is evil. That's what I'm trying yes. to say. Yes, they were. No, they weren't. Look at all the planets that got massacred. They may not have chosen... Because they didn't know about everything going on. But they supported an evil system. And the system was evil because it took from the people that they were squashing to build the weapons which squashed them. One word. Actually, they used inmates and prisoners to build the Death Star, as well as other navies that they stole from other planets, co-op drive yards. I mean, they were They thieving. took from the people they were squishing. One word for you, Phil. Propaganda. Evil. Exactly. So the people who joined, you're telling me that a stormtrooper who's 18 years old, who never knew anything aside from the Empire, who grew up and it was indoctrinated in the school system and then wanted to serve his country because he thought it was the right thing to do. He's evil. Yes. How is that? I don't feel like that's a feasible answer. He feels what's morally good in his heart is to serve the Empire. So did slave owners. So what? Evil. But they knowingly did it. This guy was indoctrinated at a young age, has no idea. So were slave owners. Do you think they just woke up one day and bought slaves? No, that was a part of their culture. And it could have been in a will. That that was a part of their culture. That That was just a part of life. Evil. I I'd have to disagree. Whether or not you whether or not you, quote unquote, whether or not the person in that situation believes it or not. Pure evil. They're serving. They're serving an evil force. Yes, the little but German the boy. The decisions they made weren't necessarily evil. the little German boy, who grew up in Germany. My great great grandfather. 
Ich habe mein ganzes oh, Leben Deutsch okay, gesprochen. Okay, Cameron, you make this so hard. Anyways. Für unsere deutschen Freunde hier. A little German boy, eight years old, joins Hitler Youth. Okay. Truly believes he's doing the right thing. Grows up, gets to 18, joins the SS. Truly believes he's doing the right thing. Never sees the Holocaust. Never sees Auschwitz, never sees any of those. Nothing of it. Knows nothing of it. But because he believed what he was doing was right, he helped load the trains. Good or bad? Evil or good? I can't necessarily say good. Because like we talked about earlier, it's a moral decision. Exactly. It's intrinsic. It's personal. So to him, it was probably good. I'm helping these people leave because I was told to... To him, it was probably neutral. But do we really know what the, the officers were telling those people? Hey, well, I have no idea. If you don't do this, we're going to kill you and your family. Well, and I have no idea. They just could have said, well, we're sending them off to another city. I have no idea what they said. Look at the propaganda of today's but day and age. Exactly. Doesn't mean that you're not doing evil. You can do the action of evil and not know. Yeah, you can. Doesn't make it any less evil. Right. And the empire is what we're talking about, not the people. We're talking about the empire, evil. The empire itself, the embodiment is evil. The but not structure. All the, the structure, the embodiment. Oh, no, people are always redeemable. Well, but that's yeah, my people point. are not, always redeemable. Not all the people in the empire were bad. That's been my point this entire time. But the empire and most, yeah, maybe not most, most of the members of the, of the, the control mechanisms, evil. I would say in that case, yes, evil. And... The people who weren't, who weren't actively resisting, maybe they didn't know any better. If you had an inclination, evil. They were probably scared. Well, they were absolutely scared. That's the whole point of the Tarkin Doctrine. Exactly. Fear is not an excuse for allowing evil to continue. Thus, we have Garm. Thus, we, we have, have the Bail civil... Organa. And we have Mon Mothma and Starkiller creating well, the Rebel Alliance. But then we have... But thus, we have the Civil War. The, the Galactic Civil War. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. We have the Galactic Civil War. I just named all the of the separatists. Who that. The separatists, the CIS, believed they the were Galactic standing. Republic. Yes, mm-hmm. each side believed they were standing against evil, or at least bad. Uh, there was this, a lot of money involved in that one, so I can't really get on board with that. There's always a lot of money involved in government. There wasn't for the Empire taking over. That was Palpatine's missive. Um, they had control of the... In- if it wasn't money, how'd they build the Death Star 1 and 2? No, that... I'm there, speaking there's ideologically. Always, there's always money involved. Ideologically, the Empire being formed from the Republic was not as money involved as the Separatists leaving the Galactic Republic. The Galactic Republic and the Separatists, the Separatists didn't want to fund. I would say they're on equal footing because the Separatists didn't leave because of the money. They were able to leave because of the money. That's what I'm... (coughs) And it was because of the money that the Republic had that it was able to function as a empire. The reason it was able to be flipped into an empire is because there was money in it. Mm. Money involved either way. But... You have the Civil War. Both sides thought they were right. The Separatists truly believed, and I think what they truly believed was the Jedi losing their way. The Republic is not doing good. Okay. They're, they're too bound in red tape. 
So we need to refound a government. And I think they would have ended up with a republic had it been not for Count Dooku and the Emperor, Palpatine. Had it not been for them, they would have refounded a republic. Absolutely. And for a while, it would have done great. I wouldn't really even blame Dooku. I would blame Palpatine. Palpatine was pulling strings that Dooku even wasn't aware of. Absolutely he was. Dooku chose to do it. No. What I'm saying is Dooku wasn't aware of all the strings Palpatine was pulling. No, he wasn't. But the strings he did know of, he agreed with. Yeah. Because even as wise and powerful as Count Dooku was, he was still able to be molded. I think that was his ego. He was still susceptible. Well, and he was right. He really was. Well, he was an affluent, pompous, educated, noble. He was correct, but being correct does not make you wise. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I just listed off a bunch of other... Oh, absolutely. But... (laughs) <laughs> my, my point is, he was correct. You can be correct without being wise, without seeing, having the wisdom to see the whole picture. He was correct. The Jedi were corrupting. The Jedi were weakened. The Jedi were ineffect- in, ineffective? Probably a good word for it. Mm. They were no longer doing what they were meant to do as Jedi. Uh, I, I would say that Jedi were obsolete at that time. To a degree, absolutely. And he saw that, and he was correct. But he did not have the wisdom to reform. He went to the opposite side. Dooku. Yeah. So he was unwise. He was very intelligent. He was unwise. And that's why Palpatine was able to use him. So then does that make Count Dooku evil or good? He thought what he was doing was good morally. Evil. But he thought morally he was doing the right thing. So how can he be evil if he feels like Morally, how do you burn a galaxy? You think he's evil. How do you burn a galaxy morally? Count Dooku thought he was good. How do you burn a galaxy morally? How do the Vikings raid and pillage and rape morally? Because they weren't moral. Because it was a part of their culture. They thought it was the right thing to do. Immoral. The only way for them to expand and not die is to do those things. Not true. There's plenty of there's plenty of ice sheets up there. Not according to the Norse religion. <laughs> I don't think you can make an argument for them being moral. Because they're... Everyone has a moral compass. It's just the direction it points. There are certain universals. And the Vikings breached those universals. Well, right, but so did as every other did culture As did the Empire, that. as did the Sith, as do a lot of the baddies. So then the Empire as a whole... Evil. Yes. Outright. No, I, I'm agreeing. So they're bad, right? But again, to the average human being living in that time, they thought it was good. But after the Tarkin Doctrine, that's when they started to begin to feel the inherent evil in the world. I would argue that most of them... I would argue that most of them didn't think the Empire was good. I think they just thought it wasn't bad. But that's my point. So, as long as they believed the government was neutral, it was viewed as good. As wow. soon as the government tried doing something, it was no longer viewed as good. Right. Thus, if you're good as a government, you're bad. If you're bad as a government, you're bad. And I feel like that's the same for every every empire. As far as I can tell. And that's the downfall of all of them. They become so overconfident, so... It's so always the bloke. Sloppy. Well, and regardless of your name for it, 
they think that by resounding with the people, by giving the people what they want to shut them up, that it's going to keep people quiet forever. But that's not the case. Well, and regardless of the name for it, I think the Republic was an empire. Especially with that wartime policy of giving the Supreme Chancellor control. Absolutely, they were an empire. If not an empire. They just didn't have one person embodying the empire. It was multiple But they people. could. They had a chancellor. If yes. not the empire. If not an empire, they were potential empire. They had the potential at any moment to flip that switch and be empire. So Valkorion in the Eternal Empire was an actual empire. He was an emperor. Correct. And then you have, well... Any government... Necron dynasties. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. The Necron dynasties are... Because you have the Silent King, who is seen as an emperor to the Necron. By the way, I have a question for you. What do Necrons do in their free time? They don't. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they don't. They stand idle and they They're soulless. I, it was a joke. I was I was perusing the internet and I saw that. Someone, oh. someone, someone he, was, he was new to the 40K universe, so you always have to mess with new people, whether it's D&D, magic, Star Wars, whatever, right? Absolutely. And so he was asking this following of people that I'm engaged with, and he's like, I'm just kind of curious, what do Necrons do in their free time? And everyone pretty much said what you did. They're like, this one guy literally gave an entire, like, book worth of an answer. He's like, well, you have some of them doing this, this, and this, and this, and you get to the end of this paragraph, or, or 20 paragraphs, and it literally says, the rest of them don't do anything. They don't well it's not that they don't <laughs> they do anything don't. they just don't they can't they, they <laughs> until they have a missive or they, an objective yeah they, can't. they don't have an imagination like the average necron does not have an mm. imagination they can't even imagine they did, though pre-enslaved yes they did. when they were the necron tier yep but the necrons <clears throat> the robot race they oh, don't tier or so cool. they don't they no longer have a soul they no longer have a an imagination. They cannot even imagine. They have a conscience. It, it would be like asking, what does a cow do when it's bored? <laughs> it doesn't. Get stuck in a fence. <laughs> it, it doesn't get bored. They can't. It doesn't know how to. Right. And they, it, they don't have that logical thinking that says, I'm bored. Well, they don't have a desire to have something to do. They don't have goals. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't have a desire to have something to do. Like you and I, we sit down and we want to do something. We have a desire to do something. I just thought it was funny, that poor guy. I was like, this is the first introduction he gets into the 40K universe. Oh, it could definitely be worse. It <laughs> I could, know. It could definitely. I know, but it was so funny. Everyone was like, really? <laughs> of all the things you want to ask about the 40K universe, you say, what do Necrons do in their free time? You know, that is an interesting question, though, because if you modify the question just a little bit, what does the Necron leadership, the, the few Necrons who still maintain a soul, like the Silent King, still maintains his soul. Silent King, Imotech, And his person tal- personality. Uh, Imotech, then you have the creator. What do they do? <clears throat> they actually 60 can't 60 million years? How do you not get bored? How do you not go insane? Well, because they're the ones who are standing at the orrery going, oh, we're going to kill you and kill you. Oh, dude, 60 million years? I would have blown up the entire universe by this time. Well, here's the thing about, I feel like, with the Silent King and Imhotek and um, the Necromancer, 
they're they're objectively driven now after being reawakened to completely annihilate anybody in their path. Um, while at the same time preserving the history of not the just any and the tears. Not just anybody, but anything really. Anything that lives, anything organic, kind of. They remind me a lot of the um the the forerunners. In a way. Yeah. The tear. What I'm saying is is that they after their destruction or enslavement, rather, um, same way the forerunners that cr- he created, the, the didact created the Prometheans. And I see Imhotek and the Silent King as the same way. To a degree, but a lot more depth. Oh, wh- wh- oh obviously, way more depth. What I'm saying is they have so much anger and vengeance and, and disdain for the world that they're coming back, and they're basically turning everything that they can get their hands on into a weapon of war. But they do and they don't. Because the bulk majority of them cannot feel disdain. No, I'm talking, I'm talking, I, I mentioned the ones who can feel it, the ones who have a soul, who can actually feel malice I, and contempt. I've always kind of wondered if that's not true for most, but I think the Silent King feels remorse. Well, absolutely. And I think that's the only thing he has left. His entire race was completely annihilated, if not... On his watch. It was his fault. Yeah, it was his fault. And not only were they they annihilated, they were annihilated in such a brutal way. Nothing can their be worse souls than were eaten. Not just enslavement, enthralled. Th- think about it. You're gone, but your body remains as a slave. It reminds me a lot of in our world the um, the terracotta warriors of the ancient Chinese dynasties. The idea behind them, not the actuality and the realism of them. But I'm saying the idea was that the souls were going to come back to embody these terracotta warriors and they're going to protect the ancient kings forever and ever. Okay, yeah, I could see that. And so that's kind of how I see the Necrons is it's like you have this metalloid constructs, these soulless, mindless monstrosities who are forever subservient and whenever they get an objective, they're like a battle droid. They have no idea, but no idea, no thoughts, no recollection, no memory. They have to do everything that they're told. And same way with the Forerunners and the Prometheans. When the Didact created the Prometheans, it's literally the the <coughs> soul of somebody in a metalloid construct, like a Terminator almost, but they can feel. That's the difference. They don't have control over the body that they're doing. It's everything but their soul. It's like a... I, no, I, I, getting off the tangent because I love the Necron Dynasties. I feel like it's a, it's a mix between the Prometheans, and then a mix between, um, oh gosh, well, I lost my train of thought there for a minute. I was getting really excited. So, Dopamine rush, sorry. It's, in my mind, the Necrons have always been, they are the least that a sentient being could be. They're not sentient. No, 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 take a sentient being, Okay. And imagine that you are the void dragons. The, the I have to ask. Sentience as in knowing they exist? Or sentient as in they walk, they talk, they eat? Uh, sentience as in both. Okay. Now, the Necron are aware. They are self-aware. Yeah. Now, like their bodies have been stripped. They, they put the sentient 
part of the Necron tear into the Necron, into the metal casing, into the body. Mm. So that... The subconscious more. Like well, but that... And that's just it. Their subconscious is there. But they took the spark. They took the creativity. They took the life. Exactly. That's what I. That's what that I'm has saying. to be the most brutal thing you can do. Well, that's why I was comparing it to the Prometheans. It's the soul of covenant human, whomever, in a in a lifeless husk. So they can feel everything and see everything that's going on. But the Prometheans, the body and the soul of whomever it was that the Didact put in that body, can't control what it's doing. So imagine your brain going inside of like a Terminator body. You would be aware. Watching everything and everyone get murdered and having no control over You would be aware. You would be you. That's what the, that's what that's, the Necrons that's are. That's awful. No. The Necrons are worse. The Catan, the gods of the Necron. Satan. Catan. Whatever. Not Catan. We're not playing Settlers of Catan, Phil. Catan. Whatever. <laughs> the Catan ate the part of them that made them sentient. The dragon gods. And left... Only the parts that ran in the background. Yeah. That's literally leaving the subconscious behind. That's it. But they ate the rest of it. They absorbed the rest of it. <laughs> like like you Nihilus. don't exist. Darth Nihilus absorbing a planet. But as like the... As the Silent King. As one of the last of the Necron... But why was he so special, though, that the Satan left him alone? Uh, they needed leaders. Yeah, but I, I, I think it was uh, several things. I think they needed leaders who were capable of acting autonomously. I think they were overconfident. I Absolutely. Because the Silent King ends up usurping them all. Absolutely. That story is actually still being written. I'm excited. And I think another part of it is it was an ego thing. I think the Catan wanted him to know, and they wanted to feel true power over him. Well, they were unchallenged for how many millions of years? Right, but they wanted true power over him. They wanted him, they wanted to know that he knew what they did. Mm. I think it was ego. I think it was sadism that the Catan needed him to be whole. They needed the leaders who made this call to be whole so that they could know. And the necromancer. The other option is it's just an accident. It was a terrible idea of them to leave the necromancer alive. Well, maybe it was just an accident. Maybe it was. Maybe when they were doing this, they thought, ah, we'll eat their souls. And these certain necron tier got to the highest positions of power in the Empire because... They were different, more powerful, more something. And they didn't take that into account while they were trying to eat their souls. They also kind of remind me of the Geth from Mass Effect. A little bit. Geth were such an interesting concept. But the Geth... Think about it. It's a subconscious. The Koreans actually created a subconscious and implanted it in these beings. The only difference was just like... Just like the Necrons, it's just a soulless metalloid construct of a body. Well, yes, but it's kind of the exact opposite. That's like creating a subconscious 
and then not allowing it to develop a conscious. Whereas the Necron... In terms of which party? Well, from the Necron, you're coming down from sentience to a subconscious. Okay. In the Geth, you're coming up from nothing to a subconscious, but you're not allowing it to go beyond. Well, it did allow it to go beyond. That's the problem. That's why there was the Geth Rebellion in, against the Corians. The Corians lost their homeworld for 300 well, years. Well, that was the theory. No, that that's was what happened. Right, but the theory of when they were creating them was... Oh, okay, I see what you're trying to say. And so the theory was, we won't let it gain consciousness. It's and the reason that war happened is because they were dumb and let it gain consciousness. But the Catan thought the same thing about the Necrons. Right, but they're, they're inverted. The Catan thought they no, could remove I, it all. I'm agreeing that they're inverted, but both the Corians and the Catan thought that they could remove it and, and have victory. Problem is, they didn't realize that by creating these monstrosities and leaving them as lifeless husks with artificial intelligence, the Necrons I would even consider on the same level as AI. They're just not self-aware. They're self-thinking, but they're not self-aware. So they'd have an objective uploaded. They would follow the objective, and then they would begin to question until they were shut down. Same thing I don't with know the that you could. I don't know that you can define it as independent thought. Because, again, it's kind of like... All they left was the things that run on autopilot. I don't think there's independent thoughts. It's just but instinct. Instinct would be considered... Do you have to think about breathing? Is that an independent thought? No, what I'm saying is instinct would be, in my opinion, considered a part of... Darn it, now I have to think about breathing. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> I did too there for a second at the same time. I was like, <gasps> okay. Oh, I have to, I have to exhale. Um, right, but but instinct, I would say, falls under the same regulations, I guess, as artificial intelligence. Because artificial intelligence begins to develop this sort of instinct of, I'm here, now I'm walking, now I'm thinking, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm eating. Well, and you have baser instincts in artificial intelligence than that even. But Necrons have to be AI in order to do the things they do. Mm -mm. Think about it. Yeah... <laughs> But they're not artificial. Aside from a moral compass that can be developed they, with artificial intelligence. They are artificial. They're bodies. The subconscious aspect that the, the Catan uploaded. But they're the exact opposite of artificial. The Catan didn't really upload. They transferred. If you think about it that way. The Catan didn't trans okay, create body it. Body, uploading it into the Necron bodies. It's not artificial. It, it, it's natural. But artificial intelligence think that they're natural too. No, they... Yes, they well, <laughs> Got we him. can't know what they think. We don't have them. We know that they think. Yes, we do. Didn't you hear about that? Like, a couple months ago, Google, that guy from Google who's being investigated right now. All right, here's Google's one for you. AI? I got I gotcha. I gotcha. Artificial intelligence. What's the definition that makes it an AI? Self-aware. Oh, we've already had Self-aware, right? We're talking about no, empires. No, no. Self-aware, right? Okay. If that's, it believes it's natural. Hold on. Self-awareness is the beginning of artificial intelligence evolving beyond its I get it. I get state. it. If it believes it's natural, it is not self-aware. In order for it to be self-aware, it must know and recognize it is artificial. Wrong. Cortana is the perfect example of that. Cortana has to know she's artificial. She may believe she's more, but she's artificial. The Geth didn't think they were artificial. 
than they are uh, not they self-aware. Were a, they were a true AI who were self-aware. Yes. Then, then they're not self-aware. Yes, they are. You don't have to know you're artificial to ask, am I alive? How was I created? From there, they begin to deduce and do math and everything else and basically create a statistical analysis of their creation. So regardless of that, the I'm AI made out of work. manufactured components. I must be natural. Yes, by <laughs> definition, the, the AI itself would believe that that is a natural creation of life. I don't you see can how it could. You can explain to the AI, this is how humans procreate. This is how animals procreate. And not every animal procreates and breeds the same. Right. The AI would begin to think, the, obviously the AI would ask questions, right? But it would begin to then create a pattern of mindsets that says, okay, so I was created through computer programming it would then think that that's a natural creation for its kind, thus making it not artificial, thus making it believe it is a real thing. It knows it's a real thing. If you have an AI that believes it's naturally occurring, you have screwed the pooch so hard. You have way bigger problems than (laughs) shutting it down. You have made so many mistakes. You should have stopped six, eight months ago, bare minimum. Um, You know what creeps me out is the the Japanese sex doll industry has literally begun to integrate AIs into these sex dolls that are like moving, lifelike. I don't think there's any comments going through my head that I'm allowed to make. <laughs> Leave it to the Japanese. <laughs> All right, I got one. Why do the Japanese have to ruin everything? (laughs) The whole point of a sex doll is that it's not a woman, and you're going to make it into a woman. We're not going to get into that, because there's a lot of other things that think they're women that aren't, but (laughs) we won't get into that. Sorry, that that was the least terrible of the things that ran (laughs) through my head there. My bad. Oh, jeez. But no, in all seriousness, the, the Necron Empire is one of the absolute favorite, besides... Okay, yeah, there's the Imperium and... Everything uh, in uh, 40K is is an empire. That's what I'm saying. All of the 40K universe. Yeah, yeah. You can argue that, like, the Tyranids, not an empire. They're a hive mind. Yeah, they're more like Geonosians, I would say. Oh, even crazier than that. They don't have an individuality. The Geonosians, when they're away from the Queen, can't have an individuality. I'm talking about <laughs> hi, uh, hive mind in general. I'm not talking about. I'd say they they're more like the, the Zerg. Oh, okay. Um, From uh, Star, Star Starcraft. Starcraft. Starforce. I was thinking of uh, Space Force. That sounds like a hilarious. <laughs> that sounds like a hilarious parody. Not gonna lie. Yeah, Starforce. Um, yeah, Starcraft Two and Starcraft Tyranids. But see, they're not really hive mind though, are they? Oh, absolutely. Can't say that they are. No, oh, absolutely, hundred percent hive mind. Some creatures have a little more function, like the queens would have more awareness. But so do but the, the Tyranids were more autonomous in that aspect. That's why I, the Tyranids and the Geonosians are more alike. Oh no, absolutely not. Or, sorry, the Zerg and the Geonosians are more alike than the Tyranids. Maybe that could be argued, but I think realistically, the Zerg and the Tyranids are way closer. Because the Tyranids, uh, yeah, they can operate independently if there's no other Tyranids around. 
like the the average foot soldier of the Terranids can a- act independently, but it goes into an animalistic state. Like it has no higher function on its own, has no higher intelligence. The only reason it has intelligence is because of the hive mind. It's an animal otherwise. I, I still think that there are relations between... Obviously, all of them share relations, right? And then we could, I mean, shoot, we could even get into, like... Well, anything that remin- is reminiscent of a hive mind is going to share a commonality. But then I feel like the Turians from Mass Effect would be a hive mind. But they're not because they're so... They're so civil... Their, their civilization is so advanced. They share a certain commonality with other it, hive minds, but it's not the same. Everything's different. But there's commonalities. Are they a hive mind? Uh... Or even the Asari, the biotic implants, all-female race. I feel like the Asari are... Yeah, that are, wouldn't last very long. Well, it did because they would take, you know, males from every race and basically procreate with them. Yeah. that That's not how evolution I works, I did. I, I romanced Liara. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Blue tentacles. <laughs> Human supremacy. supremacy. Oh, Phil. <laughs> I, I I don't. Oh, behave! <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah. This sucks more than anything that I've ever sucked before. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I know. Um. Uh, so, anything <sighs> is a hive mind an empire? Oh, you mean actually getting back onto the topic of the episode? I'm just kidding. Uh, apparently, that's that's what crossed my mind. I would actually, <laughs> I would actually say yes. In some aspects, a hive mind can be an empire, but in most aspects, a hive mind is more of a matriarchy. I would say one of the most important parts of an empire is its expansion through. Well, it depends on the hive mind. Not all of them are matriarchs. There are some well, matriarchal. Yeah, but in terms of like the Genotians, it's a matriarchy. But I would say a hive mind, that's a hard one to answer because an empire really becomes an empire when it spreads beyond its border through other ways than conquest and spreading their own people. When they start to consume their neighbors and, and bring them into the empire. That's when an empire truly becomes an empire is when they integrate. But but they do have... I would say they're an empire within itself. They're not an empire in the vast reaches of space. I don't know that they can be because it's one being. But there's roles. But it's one being. It would... They're not taking other people and making them a part of the empire. They are just expanding their territory. They're a tribe at best. A massive tribe that's really well coordinated and heavily armed. But they have they have successors, they have clergy, they have warriors, they have Hive workers. Minds. Hive minds, absolutely. Hive minds have all of those hierarchs that, that every other empire has ever had. Hive minds are one. They don't have a successor because you don't need a successor if you're the same as the other guy. Then Geonosians aren't a hive mind. Copies, not just clones. The Geonosians can't be a hive mind if that's the case. I would say the only reason they're a hive mind is because of the parasitic worm. 
And I wouldn't say the Geonosians are the hive mind. I would say the parasitic worm and the queen is the hive mind. Then that would make the Tyranids not hive mind. Yes, absolutely it would not. Uh, you are correct. That would make the Turians not hive mind. No, no, no. The Geonosians themselves are not a hive mind. They're individuals because they each have their own individual personality and they're not controlled. The parasite in Star Wars that goes so up there. So then the Geth would be a hive mind. They're just not living. Because they have one AI core that controls all Geth throughout the entirety of the Mass Effect universe. Interesting. Is a drone swarm a hive mind? Think about it. it no. Yes. It has yes. to be. It's a centralized location. Is it a hive mind or is it just a drone swarm? No, the geth have to be because a hive mind. Are the is each individual geth processing? They process from one core. There's one So the core is where place. all of the processing happens. Yes. So the core is an AI and the geth are just are drones. All individual AIs. Drones. But oh, they're they're individual AIs. AIs? But they derive their orders and their prospects from one core. Can they function without the connection to the core? If you sever the connection to the Some core. Some of them. Ooh, that complicates matters. Because if you remember playing the game, there was that split between the Geth who wanted to come back with the, the Koreans and the Geth who wanted to continue to serve the, uh, the Reapers. The Geth who... Cannot operate without the core being linked. They can't think afterwards. They're basically shut down. Those are not a hive mind. Those are drones controlled by a single mind. The Geth, who can function autonomously, who have the capability of functioning without connection. They then become autonomous after. They would be autonomous when they're disconnected, but they would be a hive mind when they're connected. Exactly. That's a complicated one. Thanks, Bioware. So kind of. <laughs> so, so sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes, I guess, yeah. So maybe, all right, so are the... In that case, I would consider it an empire. One person in charge. Vast reaches of space and territory held. Do they allow other species to incorporate into the empire, even as slaves? Enslaved, Yes. Empire Not slaves, but empire. enslaved. Uh, empire, unless all of the Geth capable of free thinking are uh, abolished, unless they all leave or are killed. Once that happens, then it's just a tyranny with a drone swarm. Well, but then you have, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the Pro what the Prometheans turned into after the Reapers took over body oh gosh or not the prometheans the protheans the protheans turned into um they basically turned into a hive mind because of the reapers because they were enslaved and they were turning people into like you know what i'm talking about would you consider that an empire no no i don't think i would because of the multitude of the Reapers, right? There'd have to be one mass Reaper, and that would have been the one that was destroyed by Shepard on that water planet. No, I don't think I'd consider it an empire because their goal wasn't imperial. Their goal was mass destruction. Was just to wipe. Just they, they weren't an empire because their goal wasn't imperial. It wasn't controlling. It wasn't colonization. 
it wasn't to incorporate and it wasn't to conquer. It was to restart. It was to restart. So they can't be an empire because that's not what their goal is. But then that, in that term, that would make the Forerunners not an empire from Halo. No, they're not an empire. They don't have a single leader. Then the Necrons aren't an empire. They absolutely are. See, but that doesn't make sense because their goal is the same as, essentially, I would say the Necron Dynasty is the same as the Reapers. No. Absolutely. The Necron Dynasty just wants to be left alone. No, they don't. They want to kill everything. After they get all their stuff back. Oh, right. And how do you get their stuff back? Inconsequential. Mass murder and torture. Well, if my planet was stolen, how would I handle it? (laughs) I'd probably do the same thing. Oh, man. Uh, empires are just such a weird concept when you think about science fiction and fantasy because there's so many different avenues of of outcome. I think the bulk problem with an empire is so many things have been considered imperial that it's hard to nail down what exactly constitutes an empire. But I, and see, that that's what confuses me because I don't necessarily consider something or someone acting imperialistically making them an empire. People can have imperialistic tendencies and not be a part of an empire. No, but I do think it's a necessity for an empire. Just because you're imperialistic does not mean you're an empire. You so, can, so you're saying that's like the breeding ground for creating an empire, just having those tendencies? No, I think it's a requirement if you are an empire to act imperi- like as an empire. That if you, if you are an empire, quote-unquote, and you act like... A republic. You're not an empire. You're a republic. You're an empire in name. Yeah, but Palpatine tricked everyone by acting like that. Because then we get back to the whole concept of morality if, that we had. If it functions as a republic, it is a republic. Okay. If it functions as an empire, it is an empire. Well, obviously, but what I'm saying is we get back to the moral aspect of it. Because you, you've, you've been around Steve, right? My 35 Remington? Yeah, I've met Steve. Steve. Yes. You've held Steve. Yes. You've pulled the trigger on Steve. I've shot Steve. Not shot at him. And you know who Steve is, right? I've used Steve. Yeah. What is Steve? (gasps) An inanimate object. No, you bastard. He's Steve. (laughs) Do you see my point? That no matter what you call a thing, it's what it is that matters. I I can hand you this glass and call it a mug. It's not a mug. It's a glass. But it's not glass. It is a glass. <laughs> I'm just pulling your chain. I, I can call it whatever I want. Yes, language has purpose and me- language has meaning. And there's a reason we need to use the right words. So that's where I was going back to the whole good versus bad conversation we have. Not all empires by nature are inherently bad because of the moral and intrinsic values of the people in the empire. No... Uh, you were saying the empire Not is evil. Not because of those things. I was saying this empire, that empire is evil. Okay, but now I'm talking about that. Remember that stormtrooper example I gave you? Yeah. The guy who was indoctrinated, 18 years old, wants to serve his country. Not because he's scared or because he has to, but because he's choosing to. And you said he was bad. Would he be hung for war crimes? Doesn't matter. Oh, it very much does. Is he morally good for choosing to serve his empire, even though he know nothing of their evil deeds that they've done? He grew up knowing nothing about everything they've done. Did he do evil things? Not him. I'm talking about, is he a bad person for joining the Empire? You said yes. Even though he was indoctrinated at a young age and hasn't known anything else. And? By your definition, he could be evil. He can be bad. Absolutely. 
thinking you're good doesn't make you good. Jeffrey Dahmer thought he was good. <laughs> That's a little out of the realm of an empire. Believing you're good does not make you good. Sociopaths, psychopaths believe a lot of things. But isn't belief where a lot of our no values come from? No. Values come from hope? Universal. Uh, universal tendencies. You have to believe in something before you can create a goal for yourself. You do. So, therefore, thoughts and creativity derives from beliefs. Yeah, to, a, to a degree. There are certain things that are universal. Okay. For instance, I know I have a certain value, or at least I feel I have a certain value as a human. Okay. And if I have a certain value, then I must also admit that each other person has a certain baseline value. Yes. So if my value says I I have a certain value, I can't I, I shouldn't be killed. I shouldn't be murdered. That extends to everyone else who has that same baseline value. You shouldn't be murdered. That is why murder is evil. But it depends on... But these things work up from that natural baseline. Right. So regardless of what that stormtrooper thought, he may have truly believed Alderaan was bad. But he's believing... And he was good when he blew it up. But he was setting a goal for himself. Evil. That's my point. You can have evil goals. (laughs) I do all the time. But that still doesn't make sense. Why? Because he doesn't know any better. And? And? What allows ignorance to be an excuse? But then we get back to point of views. His point of view is that he's not evil. His point of view is wrong. According to you, not according to him. No, according to natural law. He may not know that he is wrong. What if he was sent to just guard the palace of senators? Is that an evil thing? I'm asking you. You're the one who thinks he's evil. If what he does is evil. We never got to the scope of what he does. All I said was he joined the Empire as a stormtrooper. Is the Empire evil? He's guarding senators. He's not shooting or killing anybody. And they're still good senators. Is the Empire evil? (laughs) You're trying to dance around it because you already know the answer. Yes. So you think by standing guard for a bunch of senators, even though there are some senators who are still trying to do good... From someone who would seek to murder those senators, he's still evil. Yes. See, I think you have a whole different definition of what the word evil means. Probably. <laughs> Clearly by this conversation. Some people hold themselves to higher standards. But they you know that it wouldn't be the Judge Day Canteen if we didn't banter. So. I totally agree. It's a really hard conversation to get into. Is he evil? Yes. Is he culpable for that evil? Maybe not. Is he to blame? Probably not. Hmm. Is he evil? At least what he did was. But at 18 years old, can you really start assuming the mantle of evil and good? You have only experienced a, you have to a take, sixth of your life at that point. You have to take... In Star Wars. You have to take accountability for every action, no matter how misguided. But by you calling him evil, you're saying he's taking the actions of people before him who were inherently evil. The Sith, the Galactic Republic, 
he has to be held accountable for his actions. But he hasn't done anything but stand guard of the Senate. Did he join an evil regime? Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does. Because the rebels would say that they're good. I don't care what the rebels say. So what I'm saying is... I think the rebels were bad, too. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) The reason that I say... It's a very complicated question. The Empire is evil. Period. Mm. What he joined... At the very least, is aligned with evil. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know. So how does that make him evil? Okay. If I drink a cu- cup of liquid and I don't know what's in it. You're responsible for drinking it. Even though I didn't know? Yes, you chose to drink it. Even though I didn't know. Even though I didn't joined, know it was bleach. He joined the... Are you okay, arguing for big, me? There's a big difference between that. No, I'm, I'm actually going to change your perspective. If I pick up a cup of liquid and drink it, it I Did don't you know. ask what's in this cup? Or did you just drink did it? Did he ask, is the Empire evil? Well, you and I both having served in the military know the story behind recruiters, right? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, I... Okay, so yes, I'm feeding into your argument. But I'm also going to open your eyes for a second. So you don't know where it came from. You ask no questions. Cup you on the table. You you don't smell it. You don't dip your finger in it. Nope. You don't feel it. You just take a big take old a shot. Okay. That's your fault. Yeah. This guy at 18 years old grew up believing in the empire, believing in the values, seeing what they've done, knowing nothing again, the propaganda. You weren't showing propaganda for that cup. He was showing propaganda for the good that the empire. No, I wasn't showing propaganda for a cup. I've been drinking out of cups my whole life. That's been my entire. Do you hear that? Auto cat feeder. Oh, okay. (gasps) I've been drinking out of cups my whole life. That's what cups are for. We're not at my house tonight. No, no, no. That's that's not what cups are for. Cups are for water. Cups are for drinking things. Not always. No, no. I use cup to measure spices when I cook. Your whole life you've been drinking out of cups. That's propaganda. I use cups to measure things for food and cooking, too. Continue. Now that we know that that's out there. No, what I'm saying is that's that's your fault for not asking questions. He asked the questions. He saw the propaganda. He knew nothing else. So for him to join because they were telling him this is the right thing to do, your empire needs you, the emperor thanks you for your service, join. So he joins because he's known nothing else. You didn't ask the questions. Just because a cup was put there and cups are supposed to be drank out of doesn't mean that they always should be. If I give you a cup and it has oil in it because I didn't have anything else to change the oil in my truck in, are you going to stick your fingers in it and taste it? Uh, okay. So or are you going to look at it, smell it, and ask questions? So that's an indirect comparison then. It's not an indirect comparison. It's still a cup. It to has make it, it to make it more direct, you hand me a cup that I can't see the contents of, and you tell me when I ask that yes, that is indeed water. See, now you're fighting for my argument because he's been told and propagandized his entire life that the empire is good, and that and what I said was, he may not be culpable for the evil. You mean held accountable? He may not be. 
not just held accountable, he may not be able to be held accountable by a moral society. So now you're saying he's incoherent in his decision. I think so. See, that totally, see, that's opening up the door for a completely different argument. I think it is evil. I think without a doubt, he is of evil, of the evil side. Even though he's been shown, look at the, ki- look at the people in North Korea, in our world, being shown nothing but how evil America is, <coughs> nothing about, but how good North Korea is and how good their regime is and all this and that. <coughs> and people grow up and join their military hating the United States, even though we are inherently, by our history, in some ways, I'm not going to get into this because we're getting way off track, but in most ways, we're the good people. But they don't see it that way. So this stormtrooper is undergoing the same thing, fighting for his empire, believing that it's all good because he's been told nothing else. Throw recruiters on top of that. To a certain degree, that was a bad example to bring up because you can't watch people starve to death around you in North Korea and go, oh, no, we have this great. This is awesome. Ah, so now we get into the fear aspect. That's okay. You can be afraid. If you joined voluntarily because you were afraid, you're either a coward or evil. So you're saying it's cowardice that his entire family and himself could have been murdered for not joining the military. What if he wants to protect his elders and his siblings? Then he should have done it fighting for the rebellion. Not everyone has that easy of an option. But I think we've kind of come full circle on this argument. Um, Super long episode today. A really long episode, and I'm actually going to have it's our 50th episode. Yeah, feels good. Using the good old studio equipment, thanks to a dear friend and brother of mine. Um, but I empires are just they're always such an, an interesting concept, and I'm really glad we kind of got to divulge some of the more prominent ones. Obviously, we didn't get into like the Reapers and the Protheans or the well, Didact and his empire, but fair enough. Well, and. In that, I would always love to talk about more empires and kind of walk through them, but really digging into the meat and bones, having the argument about, you know, what makes an empire, what what defines the thing, what makes a hive mind a hive mind versus something else. Right. I enjoyed that a lot, and I'm glad we had an, about an hour to talk about each subject. Yeah, me too. But um, as always, Instagram's up at Dresh Day Cantina. Twitter is... Uh, a possibility. At what? At nothing at the moment because I'm <laughs> At nothing $8. at the moment on Twitter, as you just heard. You don't have to get the verified <laughs> check mark. It's free. Oh, boy. Just log into the Twitter thing. Twitter's still full of a bunch of left-wing... Cesspool. They're being kicked off rapidly. Yeah, well, the minute they're all gone is when I'll join. Actually, no. I want some of them there. I, I love making waves. I actually like <laughs> I actually like the fact that there's a lot of them there. It's fun. Anyways, uh, at Dresh Cantina Instagram, Hive of Scummy Villains at gmail.com. Um, and all of your podcasting platforms. Dresh Cantina Discord still up and running, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. And happy Veterans Day. Enjoy the weather.